I got the mic turned over. over Let's mic. do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. That was a, a very, very exciting game. That was a thrilling hockey game. Of course, the anticlimax of the shootout lost the Colorado <coughs> Avalanche, but um, two to one loss. But an could you know goes to the shootout could have gone to either team. Looked like it was going to go to the Oilers in the uh, overtime, but uh, not to be. Burst. What did you think of the game? Uh, playoff hockey, really. It was uh, uh, you know very high intensity, uh, back and forth, some heavy hitting going on, a little bit of dirty stuff. Refs letting everything go until late, uh, uh, and uh, uh, stellar first class goaltending at both ends of the sheet or this would have been a lot higher scoring game than one to one which is what we saw at the end of 65 minutes with of course Colorado coming out in the shootout with the only goal to beat either of the two hot goaltenders in the skills competition that was some shootout goal by McKinnon too like I yep. took I had to watch it a couple times to see how it went yep. in it was so fast what a yep. backhand move that was yeah, they have some skill. Like, there's, mm-hmm. it's the only team that has superstars to rival the Oilers, like McCarr and McKinnon, rival McDavid and Drysaddle. I think. Mm-hmm. I'll do. I'll do respect to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, <laughs> and Ranton, and don't sell that short either, man. Oh God, yeah, and Landis didn't play, and Kadri didn't play. That that's a bad matchup for the playoffs for the Oilers. For <laughs> for anybody, but I think for the Oilers, I think mm-hmm. it'll be it's gonna it'll take a plot like a physical team to beat the Abs. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're gonna beat them in a track meet, and that's what the Oilers do best. So, <clears throat> yeah, like so the Grade A shots actually were twenty to fifteen for the Oilers, mainly because of mm-hmm. overtime. When the yep. in in the OT it was uh, seven nothing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in terms of five alarm shots, though, it was it was equal ten each. So um, let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, Bruce. What is your good thing? Oh boy, so many good things about that game. Uh, uh, I'm, I guess I'm going to wimp out and say the quality of the hockey game was a good thing. I mean, that was two top NHL teams just hammering away at each other for 65 minutes. Uh, with goaltending, as mentioned earlier. Uh, but, I mean, that was a, a thrilling, uh, uh, energizing kind of game to watch. And, you know, no holds barred and, and uh, uh, no uh, <laughs> no quarter given. I mean, in the first period alone, one sequence that caught my eye, which nearly got singled out as my good thing, was uh, how Leon Dreisaitl, early in the game, he got... Taken down hard by, uh, who was the Colorado defenseman, uh, who drilled him with, a uh, oh, uh, Josh Hansen. Drilled him about 30 feet away from the puck with a big high overhand takedown. And somehow both refs missed that one. And, uh, then Leon went in on a breakaway, uh, got robbed by, uh, Kemper. Go figure. And Kale McCarr got a stick in and tripped Leon into the boards, and that wasn't a penalty. Uh, so Leon decided to take the law into his own hands. So, well, no penalties then. I guess I'm going to throw my weight around a little bit. And he absolutely mashed 
uh, Andre Burakovsky with a reverse hit. <laughs> Shiver me timbers. Just blew him away. Uh, you know, the puck came around. Burakovsky tried to check Leon. Said, how about I check you instead? Put him on his ass. And then he crushed Andrew Cogliano seconds before the end of the first period with another heavy hit. And that was, I think we got a little glimpse of the playoff. Leon through much of this game, uh, but not just him, hardly just him. It was a, a real strong effort by uh, uh, across the lineup, I thought, and, uh, and credit both teams. I mean, Colorado played in Winnipeg last night, and they, they played an overtime game in Winnipeg, and they came back to play another overtime game in Edmonton the next night and found a way to win both. So they're a powerhouse. And uh, Edmonton, I mean, you say the matchup isn't good. Well, that's two games this year, and one was 2-2 and one was 1-1. You know, the orders were right there with them in both games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. But um, <clears throat> another guy I think we saw a little bit of his playoff game was Fogel. Yeah, he was good. I, I think we're going to like him in the playoffs. He's a rugged player. He's starting to score after being snake-bitten. Talk about snake-bitten. Snake yes, pull Yarby. Like, find oh. that snake and hack it to death because – Five shots tonight, and at least three of them were potential goals. Yeah, a great yeah. reflection, and two wicked setups by McDavid. And that, that, yes, so both times he did the right thing. He fired right away. He got the puck hard on the net and up. But what he didn't do was pick, put it in the short side. He drilled it into the middle of the net. Both times Kemper just swung out of nowhere and, and slept arm. I think both times got a piece of the. Shoulder. Kept, uh, shoulder on one, and uh, it rippled his his uh, his arm pad on the on the second one, and that was just a minute or so before Colorado tied it up. It would have been a dagger of a goal, and uh, he just uh, yeah, you know, by one. yeah he he those were two really good shots. So I don't want to criticize him too much. Although I got the feeling like if it was an elite sniper, they would have scored on one of those two shots. Like if it was Ranton and taking those shots. Or Drysaddle taking those shots, he would have drained one of them because because they would have placed oh. him a little bit better. But um, he he really did get off. He he raised them both. He got them off fast. They were hard shots, so it's not much to complain about. Great saves by the goalie. You know the skill level, Bruce. <clears throat> watching that game, it's like it's almost unreal the amount of ability that and skill the players have. You know, just to pick pucks off the you know these pucks are being passed around so fast. 70 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. I don't know how fast the passes. They're just hard passes, you know, in traffic. And they're just picking them up easily, making plays. It's just such a level of NHL skill. It's just getting so high compared to the hockey that we watched, let's say, in the 70s. Just different in the even the 80s. This is just such a different level. Players like Kale McCarr and McDavid, they are unreal. It's just... It's hard to imagine the plays they make, how people can do these things, but they they make them all the time. It's just routine, and even the you know the weaker players on the ice also make really great plays. So with the puck, so it was a fantastic skill game. You know, one of the highest level of skills I've ever seen in a hockey game. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that dry settle hit. It was almost cartoonish. It was almost like it was from a superhero movie, the way that mm -hmm. he hit the guy, and the guy just went flying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like in Hollywood, they have the, the oh. cord attached to the guy, and they pull him into the wall to, to make the movement fast. Well, that's mm -hmm. what it looked like. He just looked like he just got <laughs> sent flying crazy. 
into the wall there. Um, my good thing, Bruce, will be Miko Koskinen. Could be, you know, if we were if we were nonpartisan, it could be Darcy Camper. Oh. <laughs> they both were. It would Camper probably in the end outplayed Koskinen, which is saying a ton because Miko Koskinen was so good in that game. He looked as good as he's looked all year long mm-hmm. in the Nets. He looked fantastic. He looked like the Koskinen that we have seen in the past, who's on his game sharp, and they're they're not beating him. <clears throat> the one goal that did beat him was kind of a weird rebound in front of the net from a point shot that went, you know, flying over to the side. And that's going to happen now and then. McKinnon did. Go ahead. Oh, you're frozen. It's not a good sign. Um, yeah, so that was just an incredible uh, play by, uh, or it was a fluky play. All right, Bruce, we're gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is just stop this and we'll pick it up in a second here. Cause I don't see you coming back. Back. Some technical difficulties there. Um, Bruce, do you got a bad thing or do you want me to go ahead? Yeah, you go first. I'm sort of getting recombobulated. <laughs> my computer died. Ah, my bad thing could be Nuge not scoring it over. The power plate over time, but I won't go with that. That was a great save by Kemper. Um, <clears throat> the owners did have some defensive breakdowns, and one in particular kind of got my dander up. Happens late in the first period, and it actually leads to three grade A shots, two of them five alarm shots in a row. Mm-hmm. And it starts with Evander Kane making a turnover in the offensive zone, and this leads to a rush in, or maybe it's the neutral zone in the middle. You know, it's anyway, it leads to a, a rush. Where, where he has a chance to get back and he's just, instead of getting back on the play, he's just way out of the play. So not only does he make the turnover, but it, it, on the back check, he's completely out to lunch. And, um, um, uh, Kulak's also involved in the problem. Yeah. The, the, the puck gets shot up to, to a player who Kulak's covering and then there's a pass there. But Kane, um, he has been a very good offensive hockey player for the Oilers. He has been a great physical player, Bruce, but his defense has not been great. His defense has been okay-ish. Um, and there's been some lapses. And, you know, this, is, this isn't this is uncommon with offensive players, but um, you can't have it with the Oilers' offensive players. If they want to win in the playoffs, they can't have that. So this is an, another example. We've been pointing them out in the last few games where an offensive player, a couple mental errors, and leads to three really great chances against the Oilers. Puck gets taken right to the slot, and, and they're they're just pounding away down there. So you cannot have that. He's got to do better than that. So that's one bad thing. Yeah, yeah, that pass across the blue line to nobody was just inviting trouble. The way Colorado counterattacks. I mean, he's firing across the left wing. Well, memo to to uh, Kane, you're the left winger. <laughs> so if you're out of position, firing over there, you know, I mean, it was just a, I guess a, a prayer pass, and uh, the prayer was only answered when Koskinen made the stops at the other end of the ice to uh, to uh, keep the clean sheet. So. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, not too many bad things really from this game. It was, you know, I mean, 
there playing wasn't. the best team in the league, you're going to get beat sometimes. And <laughs> I guess I will go with the play where they did get beat for the for the one one uh, with five oh seven to go in the third, just after the last TV timeout. And it was uh, actually a one faceoff uh, by uh, Drysaddle into the into the corner. Uh, and Nurse popped back into the corner and he was trying to chip it around to uh, Cece off his backhand. And big, bad Miko Rantanen uh, came in and uh, aggressively lifted Nurse's stick just as he was trying to make that play. And all of a sudden, Rantanen had the puck when he worked it back to the point. And from there, Edmonton was kind of reeling because they were you know, Yamamoto was trying to skedaddle over to the right wing boards for the pass that he thought was going to be coming from CC. It looked like it was going to be a breakout. And all of a sudden it's uh, Colorado with the puck at the point. And Yamamoto scrambling to recover. CC scrambling to get in, in front of the net. Uh, the point shot comes through. I think it bounces off of, uh, was it Nachuskin in front? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Uh, Dave, Devin Taves outside shot, hit Nakushkin and bounced right to Nathan McKinnon of all people. And I'm not sure anybody really did anything wrong after that. Just McKinnon made a great play to handle the puck and get it upstairs and inside the, inside the post to beat a diving Koskinen. And it was, I mean, to say Nurse made a flagrant turnover would be a mistake because, uh, Let's give credit where due here. Uh, Mikko Rantanen made a terrific play there to uh, to uh, uh, lift Nurse's stick at the crucial split second and win possession. It was just on such a tiny little knife edge that this game actually turned. And Nathan McKinnon did something that neither Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl were able to do in this game, which was hit the net. And uh, the same thing happened in the shootout where McKinnon was the hero and the uh, Oilers gunners weren't able to uh, ever solve Darcy Kemper on this night. So uh, that's that's my bad thing. For a while there, it looked like the Oilers might be just good enough to hang on and win this game one nothing, And it took a, a small breakdown and kind of a bad bounce and whatever. It's, I mean, Colorado yeah. certainly deserved to score after hitting the post three times in the first period. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, and as you pointed out, in the same spot on the post, same almost. post, same right same post. post, same spot almost. They hit the post, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, that was a weird goal. Um, you know, it was an uncontested outside shot, mm-hmm. and it was just Drysaddle was kind of handcuffed because nurses. Nurses, he didn't, you know, he lost the battle and it was a bad loss because it mm-hmm. left, suddenly it left the orders in a, in a really tough position. Um, because there was both a point man and someone in the high slot and Drysaddle couldn't go cover the point because he's got to block off that pass to the guy in the high slot. So it goes yeah. to the point and it's an uncontested shot. Mm-hmm. Hyman's kind of moved down, um, to be F1 to cover in front of the net and he's kind of going, but he doesn't really know where to go because the, uh-huh. Who are you going to cover? Like it's it's not, and then it goes the, the puck goes bouncing around. In some ways, you know, uh, you know the mistake by Nurse was the only real major mistake there. Anyway, everyone else just kind of was was left scrambling, trying to make the best of a bad situation that just kept getting worse and worse because of bad bounces. So that was a very tough play. Let me reemphasize: it wasn't a bad mistake, but it had a bad outcome, and it was just a just a yeah a quick lost battle, and all of a sudden everything was sideways. And 
Heim, I wasn't thrilled with Hyman's play there. Like he went right into the middle between the two face-off circles, and he engaged Nachushkin, but he didn't really box him out. And Nachushkin went in behind him and wound up being involved in the, you know, the screen in front and the, you know, the puck hitting him and bouncing to a yeah. teammate. And Hyman just kind of stood there, and he wasn't really covering anybody or, or really getting anything done. So if he was F1, he was a fairly uh, uh, statuesque one. He was just kind of rooted in one spot and not really reacting to what was going on around him. But yeah, as you say, I, stuff happened faster. It's hard to sort of say, well, he really screwed up there, but I just wasn't quite sure what he was trying to do. So often that's a clue that the guy may have screwed up. <laughs> um. All right, let's move to numbers, Bruce. What's your mm-hmm. number? Yeah, my number is 11 to 0. 11 to 0. That was the shots on net in the overtime period. Oilers had a two-minute power play with 2.31 to go in overtime. And they threw everything, including the kitchen sink at Darcy Kemper. And they were unable to solve the guy with a variety of great chances from in tight <clears throat> to the net. And they just couldn't, uh, uh, he was just unbeatable. He was fantastic. I mean, first of all, there was one that McDavid banked off a McKinnon stick and it looked like it was sure to go through and into the net. Somehow, uh, Kemper went from not even being ready to it to completely sealing off the ice. And his ability to seal off the ice was key to maybe four of the saves he made later on the power play where the Oilers tried to stuff pucks through him. Nuge had one, if not two, chances right inside the blue paint that he couldn't uh, uh, get upstairs or under or through or find any kind of hole. And both uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid were firing away with chances. And, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to say the orders did much wrong there. The only thing they did wrong was they couldn't hit the net. And, I mean, they hit the... They, the back they, of the net. They hit the, the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were hitting the net with their shots, 11 shots in five minutes. I mean, come on. I'd like to think one of them. It's going to go in, and you know, I bet you we look at the play-by-play, and you're going to find five or six of those shots were from inside ten feet. Well, seven stars, five stars. So yeah, seven grade A shots, Bruce. Mm -hmm. And and on the power play, Drysaddle, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins all had two grade A shots each. Like if you if you were to say if there's a power play, and McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent each get (laughs) each get two grade A shots. What are the chances the Oilers are going to score? Pretty high. And, yeah, Kemper was fantastic. And the Oilers, they, they just couldn't raise the puck in the key moments. McDavid came in, one great play where he worked his way in into the slot, and he couldn't raise the puck over Kemper's pad. And then New just got the pass from uh, Drysaddle down low and deked the goalie. And then Kemper, he just couldn't raise it over Kemper's pad, his trailing pad. So fantastic goaltending. Very frustrating goal <laughs> if you're the opposition, but that was just incredible uh, net mining on his part. So, Bruce, my number is four and six, and um, that's what the orders have in terms of points in the standings ahead of – there are four points ahead of the Los Angeles Kings and six points ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights. They've all played the same number of games. So okay. <clears throat> I was looking at the schedules, and Edmonton's got by far the toughest schedule remaining. Yep. L.A. has an easy breezy. I think about seven of the last nine games are against teams that are completely out of it and mm-hmm. should be beat- like highly beatable teams. So, uh, 
you know, they have like, here's who they're in their games. They play the wild and, um, Colorado. So they've got two tough games, but they also play Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, Anaheim, Seattle, Vancouver. So they're not going to win all of those games against those wacky weak teams because it doesn't work that way usually, but they, it sure gives them a, a bit of an edge here. Fortunately, there is a two point, there is a four point gap on the Kings and six points on Vegas. I think it's Vegas has about uh, five hard games and four, um, four easier games with the orders. It's probably more like eight and one or seven and two. I guess maybe seven hard games and. Yeah. And a few easy games. So, um, you know, the orders are really playing well. So this, and they have the points lead. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, but it's, it's going to be nervy, Bruce, nervy in Oilerland, oil country till right to the end here. Yeah. They've got, they're in the middle of a, of a very tough stretch of seven games in a row against very tough teams. And so far they got three points from two games. So that's, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And of the two teams, if you want to beat one in regulation and 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 lose to one in overtime, they did it in the right order. You know, they they got two points off L.A. and L.A. got nothing out of that game. And Colorado, what Colorado got out of this game is insignificant because they're going to beat the Oilers whether they got zero, one, or two points. Out of this. So this was in only a four-point game. It was just a two-point game for Edmonton, and they got one of those points against the best team in the league. So. You know, you can say, well, they lost their nine-game home winning streak and their six-game winning streak, but they still got a result out of this game. So yeah. good for them. They now have to go to at Minnesota, at Nashville, as their next Tuesday and Thursday, Ooh. two tough games. Home to Vegas <laughs> next Saturday afternoon in a mammoth game. Then they play Dallas, also at home. And uh, Colorado um, at home again. Uh, Friday the 22nd, less than two weeks from now. And only then do they get uh, one game at Columbus, uh, a game at Pittsburgh. That won't be easy. And then they close up back-to-back against San Jose and Vancouver. And those are two opponents that, you know, if they need those games, you'd like to think they'd be able to beat those teams. But, you know. So six hard games and three easier games. So not that different than Vegas. but, But, man, these are some tough games. Wild and uh, Nashville, those are two teams that always give the Oilers a lot of trouble. So if they can get five points out of the next five games, Bruce, against these, Mm -hmm. or four, yeah, they got the five really tough games coming up. If they can get five points out of the five games, I think they got it. So let's hope for that. Five for five. Five and five. Yeah, well, they're close. And they got one favor tonight, New Jersey beat Dallas right in Dallas. Yes. So, you know, that's a, that's a, this is after um, uh, Toronto won in overtime at Dallas. So Dallas only got one point out of two home games. But losing 3-1 to New Jersey certainly was not in their plans. And the Oilers, I mean, they really just need one of the nine top nine teams to fall, <clears throat> to fall off. And they're in the playoffs, but I, uh, I'm pretty sure most would agree you'd rather be in the top three in the Pacific and not have to maybe face Colorado right off the bat in the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah. Let me just look, let's look at these wild card. What does Dallas have now then? They've got um, 71 games and 84 points. So they're six points behind the letters with two games in hand. 
So it's mm-hmm. just hard to know where they're going to be and, and whether they are going to be the team that that crumples here. Well, they're not... one of those games against the Oilers, so... Yeah. But it's here. They beat Edmonton twice <clears> in Dallas. <throat> that game where the Oilers had the 3-2 lead in Dallas and they lost in regulation, <sighs> it still stinks. If they hang on to win that game, you know, they're almost home and cooled out now. But anyway, yeah, Dallas has got... Uh, uh, Chicago, Tampa, Minnesota, San Jose, Vancouver, Oilers, Flames, Seattle, Vegas, Arizona, Anaheim to close up. So that's a pretty pretty light schedule with a couple of tougher games. And anyway, Oilers are just going to have to keep playing and keep getting results. The way they're playing, I mean, they, you know, they're they're doing doing a lot right, and they're they've got both their goalies going at the moment. Amazing, eh, Bruce? This is the first time this year where you can you can honestly say, hey, they're getting good goaltending game mm-hmm. after game here. And that was a a welcome surprise. So we'll see how long that lasts. Let's fingers crossed. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks right. for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>